leave the ground. And that was just to get back into the studio, mm -hmm. just to mm -hmm. get back into the swing well, of had, things and all the rest. at that point, I hadn't really joined the band at that point. It was when I'd gone to Maui and played a mixed little blues band yeah. that I thought, this is fun, mm. you know. Mm. And what would it be like if I was to rejoin the band and mix a... Are you kidding? And of course, you know, they phoned everybody up and said, yeah, come on back. And lyrics and, I mean, as far as the new album is concerned, they're all new songs yeah. on there. So did those lyrics, did they come to you very, very easily? Was it very, you know, was it almost like the good old days, if well, you like? I, I, well, I keep a journal that's full of words. Mm. You know, things that I think of. I, I, I'm a romantic person. I like to write about love. That's usually my subject. Um, and so I had lyrics stashed away and Lindsay had right. tracks. Not all. I'm saying that he, we somehow collaborated in a way. We've always had this musical affinity with each other all through mm. the years. Mm. We seem to know what each other's going to play and we jam well together. Fleetwood Mac tour. Oh, the Fleetwood Mac tour. Yeah. We're going to start rehearsing in March next year and then uh, the tour is around June. Mm. So we're, we're, it'll be global. And is that an exclusive now? Huh? Is that an exclusive? But that's the interesting thing is actually the music the music on the actual album that you've done is actually a lot of the sounds of, of Fleetwood Mac. Well, you can't yeah. really help that because we have John and Mick yeah. on the album. So yeah. it is in essence, except for Stevie. Yeah. yeah. The sound will be a bit familiar. Well, it's lovely to have you back, and you're going to be singing Songbird for us. What nice. a treat. With the piano that we've got at the other end of the yes, studio. So we're, That's we're why we've got more in tonight than usual. I've got to remember it. Yes, no. Well, we'll let you, we'll let you get sorted. While we do, we'll, we'll yes. put another little film. Well, hello. This is the Dr. Seuss Film Podcast Music Edition. So, yesterday... Christine McVie of Fleetwood Mac died. There isn't a person that I haven't met who didn't love Fleetwood Mac. And of course, rumors, but it, it goes much more beyond rumors. And the songs of Christine McVie. Christine McVie sang lead on many of the hits. It wasn't just Stevie Nicks. I used to always joke and say that Fleetwood Mac should just be called Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac. But then you got to remember you've got all of these different personalities in the band. You've got Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks and Christine McVie and Mick Fleetwood and John McVie, her ex-husband. Oh, my. Oh, my. Um, Christine McVie, I mean, think about it. She wrote Don't Stop. Thinking about tomorrow, Bill Clinton used that for his 1992 campaign. Fleetwood Mac reformed just for Bill Clinton's inauguration in 1993. And then in 1997, they did a tour and they did the special The Dance. And then were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1998. Now, Christine McVie also had a solo career. That song that I played at the beginning, If I Get in Trouble, I Don't Care. I remember that song because that was a big hit in the 80s, Got a Hold on Me, um, from her first solo album in 1984. And then 20 years later, she put out another solo album. Um, but as I said, with Fleetwood Mac, you know, she wrote Don't Stop. She, did, she wrote Songbird, Sang Lead, You Make Loving Fun. 
uh, hold me. Uh, what's another one? Um, oh God, little lies. Come on, come on. Tell me lies. Tell me sweet little lies. That's her singing lead vocal. She wrote that song. Everywhere, everywhere is such a, that's such an 80s song. But then again, so is Little Lies. The big hair and everything and the, 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 the vibras, the bombastic sounds that was Fleetwood Mac. And I'm recording before bed because I'm very, very tired, as you can hear it. But I grew up, I grew up loving those songs. I mean, how could you not like Little Lies? And then they've used it in commercials or um, everywhere. Everywhere is such an iconic song. And I remember when Shaka Khan, oh God, Shaka Khan, she did a really beautiful cover of it in 1996. It's kind of a funk cover of Everywhere. But um, when it when it comes to the sound of Fleetwood Mac, all of those integral parts, you know, Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham, Mick Fleetwood, John McVie, Christine McVie, you know, and and it had been gone and had gone through so many lineup changes, and then in 1974, Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham joined the band. And it changed the dynamic of not only the band, but of music. Um, she was born Christine Perfect in um, 1943. Let's see. Christine Ann Perfect, born July 12th, 1943 in Bath, Lang... Lang Lancashire, England, and died November 30th, 2022, at the age of 79. She was in a blues band in the 1960s called Chicken Shack, and they did um, a cover of I'd Rather Go Blind. Oh, you have to hear it. You have to hear it. Um, as a member of Fleetwood Mac, McVie was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and received the Brit Award for Outstanding Contribution to Music in 1998. The same year, almost 30 years with the band, she opted to leave and lived in semi-retirement for nearly 15 years. Um, she rejoined the band in 2014 for another tour. Oh, my. What a what a very interesting life that uh, McVie really had. Um, McVie agreed to move with the rest of the uh, Fleetwood Mac to the United States in 1974. Within a year, Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham, Buckingham and Nicks, joined the band, giving it an added dimension. Their first studio album together was 1975's Fleetwood Mac. Had several hits with McVie's Over My Head, Say You Love Me, reaching um, the charts. Um, in 1976, oh my, 
McPhee began an on and uh, on the road affair with the band's lighting director, which inspired her to write "You Make Loving Fun." From rumors, oh my! Her biggest hit was "Don't Stop," which reached top five. Rumors also included McVie's Songbird, a ballad with just her on piano with Buckingham accompanying on guitar. So many great songs. Um, oh, my God. Of course, the 1984 solo album, Got a Hold on Me. Uh, Love will show us how, uh, I mean... You know, she won Grammys. She, you know, what a what a long and illustrious career. And um, it is sad. The band are mourning. The band said in a statement, she was the best musician anyone could have in their band and the best friend anyone could have in their life. Stevie Nicks echoed this with best. She was her best friend in the whole world, um, and she will miss her. Oh my God! As a musician, Christine McVie. I mean, you got to think about this: keyboards and vocals, and she added a bluesy and at the same time ethereal quality to Fleetwood Mac, and. Um, just hearing her talk about it. Here we go. To nine now. They're on-off relationships, bust-ups. They're the stuff of rock and roll legends. But it was the music which made Fleetwood Mac one of the most successful bands of all time. Christine McVie was with the group for three decades but stepped out of the limelight for 16 years. Now she's back with bandmate Lindsay Buckingham and new music, of course. There's even talk of a world tour. Before we speak to her, let's listen to a song from her. I'm delighted to say Christine is with us now. Very good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You know, you were just glancing over our shoulder there at that picture behind us. Mm -hmm. Can you put a date on that? Can you, do, you, do you know approximately when that was? I think it was sometime in the 80s, but I, I wouldn't uh, bet on it. Because it, those people who know the band well know that quite a few changes in the lineup uh -huh. over the years. Yes, over the years, because Lindsay left for about three years and, and we replaced him with uh, Billy Burnett and Rick Vito and carried on for a while. And I think it was ultimately the, the inauguration of Bill Clinton that brought us all back together because they wanted to use Don't Stop as their campaign song. And so we went on, performed it live at the inaugural ball, and we thought, this is pretty good, let's get cracking again. So just five of us got back together. When we introduced um, the music, we were saying that, that there were some bust-ups, there were, there were some tussles, it's the stuff of legend almost. Mm -hmm. Are you all friends now? I, I can safely say we are. I think that we've all grown up, you know, and, and uh, realised that we have a great bond and a great legacy. And so we, uh, we've reaffirmed our, our vows, you know. Christine, what I'm going to ask you to do is you've got an absolutely beautiful necklace on there. I'm, we're told it's just knocking into your microphone a little bit. Can you adjust it slightly for us? We have big, to do these things one. live because it, oh, okay. the bigger, the bigger one, the bigger. It's the other one. It's a shame it. to move it, but if we just, just so it's just knocking into your microphone. We have to do these just things. Toss it behind the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we, we get onto the new album in, in a moment. Is that all right? 
Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, how's that? There you go. Perfect, thank Perfect. you. Um, yeah, we'll get on to the new album in just a moment. Just for, for those people who, who are fascinated by your personal story, mm. that we mentioned a moment ago, you stepped aside from the music world for 16 years. Yes. Yeah, which did. is one of the, I mean, people, when things like that happen, a kind of mythology builds around people. Mm. And I think that's happened to a degree I, with you. I, well, I mean, what's the real story? wants to know what I, want, what I did yes. for a start. Um, what happened with me? Well, I left the band initially because I developed a fear of flying. There was a number of things. I was tired of living out of a suitcase. Um, my dad got sick and I was living in America, so I thought, well, you know, it's time for me to move back to England. Um, and that's what I did. I, I bought a house in England and still carried on playing with Fleetwood Mac and said, this would be my last tour and I'm going to move to Kent which is what I did and got this huge, great big manor house, which was falling apart. And I spent happily four years restoring it. Um, and then, you know, four years later, I'm going, I bought a couple of dogs. And um, I thought, okay, what am I going to do now? Once um, that's lifestyle is in your blood, does it ever leave? Well, no, because I, now that I've come back, it's been the most joyous thing I've ever done in my life. And I'm just embracing every moment. I love it. And the new album, of course, you have actually brought pretty much everyone back together in, mm. in some sense in the studio. Just how, how's that come about? Well, you have to go back when I first joined, when I first rejoined, I was sending Lindsay demos over of some material I'd written and he was working in his studio and uh, a whole world tour had been booked. So I went over early to Los Angeles and worked with Lindsay a little bit on these songs that I'd written. And he said, why don't we go in the studio? And, you know, reconnect in that way as well as touring and just see if we have any, any magic between us. Because after 16 years, you know, it might have been nothing there. But we got in the studio working together and it was easy. It was, it was a real joy. And uh, it was just the most fantastic time. We clicked really. Do you know, as soon as you hear it, you know that's Fleetwood Mac. Yeah, I'm always wary of you know, putting that, ourselves that in the world of viewing a music yeah. critic. But there's something about that that sounded instantly makes you think of Fleetwood Mac. Well, I, I suppose it does, because you've got John playing bass, Mick playing drums, uh, and Lindsay and I collaborating in the musical department. And so it has to sound a little bit. You know, I asked you if it ever leaves that rock and roll lifestyle, that music lifestyle, if it ever leaves your blood, and you said no. However lovely a break you may take from it, there are rumours that we might be seeing you on tour. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Uh, what, Buckingham McVie or Fleetwood Mac? You tell us. Uh, well, both. Certainly, I'm just going back to Atlanta, in fact, on Saturday to start a, a, a small tour with Lindsay, uh, doing, just doing America. And um, next year, all being well, fingers crossed, we, we're doing a Fleetwood Mac tour. When you reflect a bit now, and as, as you'll get older, you reflect possibly a little bit on things that happened in the past. How do you reflect on, on the early days of Fleetwood Mac and the incredible success? Because it, it was an incredibly successful band for a, over a long period mm. of time. How do you reflect now on that time? You know, there's such a lot to reflect about. If you put good stuff out, it looks after come back to you. Yeah. Well, it's been lovely having you this morning, and there'll be so many people so happy to hear that uh, both you in the in the the, uh, the new incarnation, but also as Fleetwood Mac, will be doing uh, more live stuff. So oh, we're we're more in love with each other than ever. <laughs> we can't wait. Uh, it's really good to hear. Thank you so much for coming in for us today. Thank you. Thank you. So 
that was Christine McVie in 2017 uh, doing some work with Lindsay Buckingham and then the pending Fleetwood Mac tour, which would be her last. Um, in 1998, 24 years ago, Fleetwood Mac were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by Sheryl Crow. And uh, here we go. Well, I want to say it's, uh, it's easy for us to knock institutions like this, but when you get to see Peter Green play with Santana and you get to see something like that, it really reminds you what it's about. Not only that, for you people at home watching TV, I'm having dinner with Jeff Beck tonight at my table. Anyway, I was 14 years old when I first heard Rhiannon on the radio in Kennett, Missouri, and that was it for me. I knew what I wanted to be, and while all the other kids were wearing familares and, and flares, I was wearing platforms, shawls, and a Stevie Nicks shag haircut, which I have the perfect hair for. Some 20 years later, I happened to be playing in a dive in Aspen on New Year's Eve. However, Mick... Fleetwood happened to be in the audience, and he came up to me and he said only one thing. You remind me of Stevie Nicks. And I had made it. <laughs> no one can dispute the importance of Fleetwood Mac and Rock and Roll today, a band that's mixed mysticism with blues rock and pop, and it was undeniably rich and real, something forbidden, but at the same time so enticing and powerful that without getting into trouble, we felt like we were a part of something mysterious. It was the sound of the times and the times to come. I recently went to see them play um, on their reunion tour at the Meadowlands, and it was really as if they'd never left. It was as if they'd never been away. In all my vast experience and my know-it-allness and my jadedness, I found myself experiencing tears and clapping and singing and yelling and crying. I hung on for the ride, what, at a rock concert? Well, they were back, and they were as powerful as the first time I had seen them in Memphis 20 years ago. And they are and were the reason I got into music. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you the history of Fleetwood Mac. Um, it might be a bit like reading from the Old Testament or the Begats. Um, but uh, they were certainly around before their VH1 biography. They, <laughs> they were on my radio and my turntable and in 50 million other people's homes at that time. And they became the backdrop for so many people's lives before President Clinton discovered the hope in the lyric, Don't Stop. They were challenging all of us to look at the sensual and mystical and spiritual sides of ourselves without us even knowing it. I think what is most interesting is that in a time in our history where we are all evaluating our own vitality on the planet, that a band that truly went through its own changes personally, creatively, and emotionally has found its way back into our lives in a very prevalent way. They wrote of relationships glorious, crumbling, of believing and of hoping, of despairing and of hurting. They introduced us to the darker sides of our beings without us even knowing it, and we joined the dance. They even taught me, a working musician, an invaluable lesson, that having relationships with your drummer or your guitar player doesn't single signal the end of the band. <laughs> anyway, as I said, my first introduction to Fleetwood Mac was via the radio when I was 14, and I was in a small town in Missouri, and the only way out really was through radio and magazines. It was much later that I discovered the legacy that was Fleetwood Mac. Their story is undisputedly one of the most incredible stories ever told in rock and roll. And it began with the wizardry of a guitar guru named Peter Green. Yes. 
His union with Fleetwood Mac and shortly thereafter, or with McFleetwood and shortly thereafter, John McVie became a powerhouse to be learned from and reckoned with. I remember being given a copy of Green Man and Leachy when I was 19 and I was playing in my own bands. And when I heard it, I, I kind of wanted to put away the piano and I wanted to learn how to play the guitar. And then I got turned on to Black Magic Woman and Oh Well, and I wanted to throw in the towel. It was so overpowering. And I suppose actually though, it was when I heard Man of the World, where this guy is singing so tenderly and urgently that in his having everything, he still wished he had never been born. And I understood how foretelling his words were in the scheme of his future in the band, even after releasing Albatross, having number one singles, selling more than the Beatles and the Stones in Britain. He was only to walk away from it all and leave his bandmates Fleetwood, McVie, Jeremy Spencer, and Danny Kerwin behind to fade into a life of obscurity. Although I would like to say, veering away from my very well-crafted speech that I stayed up very late working on, I saw Peter Green play about six or eight months ago. I had a night off in Amsterdam, and I went to see him in a place called the Paradiso, which is an old, basically an old church in Amsterdam. It's quite, quite breathtaking. But he played there with Cozy Powell and a bunch of other great players, and blew me away, blew me away. Fleetwood Mac was an important inspiration in my life. We talk about women and rock a lot now. We're in every magazine, we're on the cover of Time, we're on Newsweek, we're in every issue of Rolling Stone, we're infiltrating the planet. But let's talk about women in rock, real women in rock, before they were a phenomenon. Christine McVie and Stevie Nicks are, in my estimation, the first ladies of rock and roll. Christine McVie and Stevie Nicks are, uh, made it cool. Christine McVie made it cool to be the piano player in the band. She showed me that it's not about being pretty good for a chick. It's about being great. She showed me that a driving rock song could be written on the piano. The first term, time I heard her sing Spare Me a Little, I was so blown away, and I still have the same reaction to it when I revisit that song today. And then there's Steven, Stevie. She was the dark angel that I wanted to be, telling stories and images in a mysterious mixture with her daring poetry. Her words and melodies proved to be an uncanny bridge between the Fleetwood Mac of the Peter Green days and the then Fleetwood Mac. Then you had this rhythm section that was undeniably unstoppable and heavy. When most marriages don't last five or 10 years, Mick Fleetwood and John McVie has lasted lifetimes with vitality and without the aid of a marriage counselor. I look to and still look to Lindsay Buckingham for the mastery of making music so exceptionally cinematic, painting the picture, manipulating the listener into experiencing real emotion. Having just gotten into producing myself, I see what an amazing gift it is to be able to see it and get at it. The history of Fleetwood Mac lives within their music and their songwriting tells of their journey. That music has spoken to each of us and they continue to affect each generation. We live in a country that has grown up with Fleetwood Mac at our side. How fortunate we are. Ladies and gentlemen, I have the incredible honor of inducting Fleetwood Mac into the Hall of Fame. First of all, uh, it is indeed an honor to be inducted tonight. And before I make a hopefully not too long speech, I would like to thank Mr. Peter Green for forming Fleetwood Mac way back in 1967. Thank you, Peter. He left us with a stage that was to continue until today. Uh, lunacy, heartache, happiness, unhappiness, and thank God, a sense of healing. 
has come to all of us up here on the stage today. We've had a fantastic journey. The music has been a privilege for me, playing with all of these guys, with Peter, with Danny, with Jeremy Spencer, who can't be here tonight. On behalf of Stevie, Lindsay, John and Chris and myself, and Peter Green and everything that has been Fleetwood Mac up until today. Um, being an Englishman, I can't think of a better way than quoting a little bit of Shakespeare. And as the man said, if music be the food of love, play on. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. So that's some of the speech I was hoping for. Because there's, I know that there's more. Ah, here we go. First of all, uh, is today. Uh, I know that they all spoke. Or they cut it up. Yeah. That happened 24 years ago. Um. I think it's right here. I would like to thank Mr. Peter Green for forming Fleetwood Mac way back in 1960. Again, thank you so much. Um, I just want you to know that we all really do appreciate this, and this is an incredible honor, and we are just as nervous as we were 20 years ago or 25 years ago, however long it was. And we're just, we're just so full. Thank you so very much. I recently, anyway. Music came out of John Mayall's lives than a bag full of Fleetwood Mac has had more lives than a bag full of cats. The first version of the group came out of John Mayall's Blues Breakers and was an immediate hit in England. But the group's guitar players kept finding God and quitting music. The rhythm section of Mick Fleetwood and John McVie forged ahead through a series of frontmen. But the only singer-songwriter who stuck was John's wife, Christine. Things got bad. By the mid-70s, they had to go to court to stop another Fleetwood Mac from using their name. Then in 1975, Fleetwood Mac met Buckingham Knicks, and the skies opened. They made love and fortunes together. They lost love and fortunes together. And they wrote songs about it all. For millions of fans, they were a mirror. Fleetwood Mac has had three decades of great highs and terrible lows. And the trip's not over yet. Ladies and gentlemen, I have That was uh Leewood Mac. Ah, what can I say about this band? What can I say about Miss Christine McVie? Who, as I said before, 
had this ethereal voice and it was so British and um, you could hear where she sang where she came from just by her musical choices and um, not just because there wasn't so much a simplicity maybe there was but the layers of sounds like I said I mean you go back to everywhere and it's like oh my god or you go to Little Lies, or you go to Hold Me, or you go to Don't Stop, or you go to You Make Loving Fun, or um, Over My Head. I mean, she really did possess a very magical ability musically. And so that's the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Just, I'll probably get in trouble for playing the songs, but I don't care. I mean... That's how you celebrate an artist of the caliber of Miss Christine McVie. Oh, my God. Who was, you know, prolific in so many ways. And so, as always, unpleasant dreams. Mm -hmm.